Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Austin McCullough. Austin, thanks for joining me on Rising Tide. Absolutely, Kevin. I'm excited. We've had a great uh, pre-record button chat already. Um, we, we grew up not all that far from each other. Both of us are Midwesterners that that uh, are looking for a way to be transplanted somewhere else. But Austin, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Of course, of course. Um, so obviously, I'm a 24-year-old entrepreneur, and I'm going to take everybody back about five years ago. Um, so when I was 19 years old, I had never run a business on my own. I'd never done anything with an entrepreneurship. And unlike the traditional entrepreneur type person, I didn't have any interest in it. I'm going to be completely honest. So, you know, Kevin, typically you hear these people who they say they're doing lemonade stands since they're five years old. I was never candy bars. Yeah. Selling candy bars. Exactly. If anything, I guess I was actually more in sales because going back to sports, we always had those little cards to sell. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cards, actually chocolate bars. But anyways more on the sales side but when i was 19 i was doing a tax accounting internship that was the first thing i did in corporate realized that was not for me especially accounting it's a great field just not my cup of tea Um, at the same time i got into the financial services industry that was my first experience as an entrepreneur realized that wasn't a good fit for me but that came back to be beneficial in the future fast forward about a year and a half I'm at the University of Iowa and I'm on a professional business trip in Chicago. So like, like I said, I went to the University of Iowa. And when I was there, I ran into another student from the University of Iowa. He was a Chinese student. He wanted to meet with me for lunch a few weeks later. And during lunch, we talked about this business idea that he had. So obviously I was super confused about it, but he ended up explaining it. It was the idea to run an online hiring agency where we teach English to Chinese children, right? So I ended up, uh, it actually started out as a little bit more of a vague idea. We had to work it down to get to that point. We had to figure out the business model. But from there, we ended up teaching, I think it was over 2,800 English classes to over over 700 Chinese children. And it was solid. It was a profitable business. And it taught me about running a business as my own, hiring people, figuring out the finances, et cetera. But it just wasn't a perfect business model. Okay, so I ran that after I graduated from the University of Iowa about, I want to say a year after, and that was the beginning of COVID. Now, while this was all going on, I realized that I still don't want to go into corporate. I didn't want to go just get a regular job like a lot of people, because I know sometimes not for every job, but for a lot of jobs, people are capped. So I took everything that I'd learned over the past few years. So let me pause for a second from 19 years old to about 22. So about three years, I learned, I took what I learned about entrepreneurship and I wanted to kind of teach people about that, right? So I started working with any small business owner, anyone who wanted to be an entrepreneur or who was currently an entrepreneur. And I started a coaching business. So this was at the beginning of 2020. Um, The online hiring agency was no more. So I was putting 100% of my focus here. The problem was, who wants to listen to a 22, 23 year old at that time, especially talk about coaching when I don't have all this. Life hey, there's 20 year old life coaches out there. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not beneficial information and having learning from someone who's in their young 20s is a different perspective. Like that's actually one thing that I used a lot. I love Tony Robbins, but yeah. I always said, I don't have a million dollars to drop on advertising or any type of marketing like Tony does. So I have to get a little bit creative with it yep. in different ways. So 
there are advantages to only being a few steps ahead of your customers instead of giant leaps. But with that being said, over time, I realized that I didn't just want to be in the coaching space. It just wasn't for me. I know for some people it's the perfect fit, but it just wasn't mine. And at that point, it was also tough to get customers because I didn't have a deliverable that gave these clear results to put into testimonials. I wasn't sure what I was doing completely. I didn't have a clear curriculum. And so eventually I thought about where my prior experience was and it was in financial services. So from there, that's what I started going after is my target market. As I started to learn and learn and learn about my target market while I was coaching them, I realized that the problem still was there wasn't a clear deliverable. So this was probably, I would say, late 2020, about that summer. At that point, I decided to kind of shift the business to be a more digital marketing firm. It's still digital marketing kind of hybrid between the coaching, because obviously, as we both know, Kevin, there needs to be a coaching component to that. Because if people don't know what to do, you can give them great tools, but they're not going to make full use of them. But from there, what I started helping these financial reps with, these financial advisors with, was online prospecting because a lot of them struggled with getting clients. So that's what got me into what we're doing now. It's so much easier to make sales now because there's a clear process to teach people to follow, the clear deliverable, so clear result that we're giving them. So it's just being able to show them you're here and we're trying to get you there. It's just much, much easier. Does that all make sense? Absolutely. And I, I mean, one thing you were you mentioned there that that kind of a light bulb came on as I was listening is the the idea that you can go out and talk to those that are running a financial services agency they may be really good at delivering financial services advice, but are they just as good at actually running their small business? Mm -hmm. You know, do they, I mean, that, that's a, that's two different things, two completely different things. And it's interesting that you, even in a business that you didn't necessarily want to be in, um, you know, they saying teaching, teaching English on online type thing, but you learned how to run a business. You learned the, the, all the, the things you want to do, things you don't want to do. Um, and I think that's what made you kind of this, holistic, you know, even at a young age, I mean, you had a holistic viewpoint. And I, I almost laughed when you, you said I, I tried accounting, and I did an accounting internship. I was an accounting major for 15 minutes in college. <laughs> I mean, it was long enough to look at the first packet they gave me and open it and look at look through that and think, I do not want to spend the rest of my life looking at spreadsheets. So I shifted as you did to economics. I mean, that was my degree was, was in economics. So I, brother, I feel your pain for sure. Feel <laughs> and you know pain. what I, and that's a really good point, Kevin. And what I like about that a lot as well is a lot of people think you just know what you're doing right from the start. A lot of people think that some people are just more gifted or more oriented towards another thing. I mean, I know this is super cliche to say, but you have to just learn along the way. Like for example, yep. to get to like what I do with my current business, I help with online prospecting through because through my own as well as through all of our clients we've made about 32,000 33,000 prospecting contacts on LinkedIn. I wasn't very good at the beginning and right. sometimes I get clients who are like how do you know what to say here I'm like I just messed up a lot. <laughs> I'm right. nothing special from my own mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So a lot of it's just uh, trial and error. Yeah. So walk us through like a, a typical day right now. So, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how quickly in a very short period of time you've pivoted, you know, like two or three different times you said, okay, well, I tried that. It didn't work. So I shifted to this. I mean, it's all kind of in the same trajectory, but it's yeah. more refined. So walk us through kind of that process. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so start back at the beginning of the business about a year and nine or 10 months ago when I first started it. 
I started the coaching just because I wanted to impact people. It wasn't honestly any specific industry. It's just, if, if there's one high level of why I started the business, it's because it, it's really unfortunate to see a lot of people living a life that they don't want to be living, right? So it doesn't matter if people want to go into corporate America, if that's what they want to do, that's perfect. But you see some people in bigger cities like Chicago, which is fairly close to me, they're going, they're waking up at five in the morning. They're going into work at about seven. They're working until 5.30 or six, maybe a little bit earlier. Then they take the train home, which might take an hour and a half. Yep. And then having dinner with the family, might do their at night. Eight o'clock. Bedtime, right? Yep, exactly. What kind of life is that? So hamster wheel. The hamster, bingo, bingo. Mm -hmm. So that's why I started the business. But a lot of people weren't receptive to working with me at the beginning. A lot of people just didn't know what the clear deliverable was. And then obviously I'm going through this part of the process pretty quick, but that's why I started the digital marketing side of it is because I just got sick of beating my head against the wall, trying to figure out how to tell them how I'm going to be able to help them. Right. Because everybody struggles with different problems. And what I also noticed, what I didn't like about it, I always wanted to be in a business that was scalable. Mm -hmm. That's always something I've been obsessed with, being able to scale a business, potentially sell it one day, because actually you mentioned this, I think before we started recording but talk about like venture capital mm -hmm. you didn't mention angel investing but i've always thought that was fascinating i've been right. watching shark tank for years like a lot yeah. of us have right um, that's right i'm an addict and with coaching you i so am i so am i <laughs> with coaching you can scale it but mm -hmm. it was in a different aspect and i noticed that i was trading my time for money yep. and obviously a lot of the people new into entrepreneurship in any type of field more likely than not they're people who don't have tens and twenty and thirty thousand dollars to put down right so I thought about where I had experience, which was financial services. I realized that if I got them on the right trajectory, they could make a lot of money in this industry because a lot of financial advisors are very wealthy. And so from there, the business model made more sense. Um, one thing that I do want to mention before I completely forget, because this is something I'm sure you would have asked the question, but if there's one thing I would recommend to any entrepreneurs out there, and I know we've all heard it, but don't do it alone, honestly. Um, I brought on my first executive assistant six or seven months ago, and then I brought on my second one about three or four months ago. And now I finally hired a full-time account executive who's kind of a hybrid between a salesperson and customer support person. Mm -hmm. Right. And having a team makes it so much easier. And here's, um, this gets into more of the mindset piece, which if you want me to get back on track, let me know, Kevin. But a lot of people talk about an abundant mindset versus a lack mindset. And here's a perfect example of it. I was doing everything on my own because I wanted all the sales myself. I wanted the hundred percent of the commission, but what a lot of people don't realize when you do things all on your own, you're never going to be able to get the whole market. Competitors are getting the market, right? And it's not like you'd be able to get hundred percent of the market anyways, but wouldn't you rather hire people on who get, who you get a cut from, who get their part of the business and you're growing a bigger business rather than losing it completely to competition. And so that's the stage that I'm in right now is instead of trying to have 100% of the pie and moving super slow, now I'm trying to spread wide, develop others where I don't feel like I have to be transactional. I can pour into them as much as possible. And then the business is starting to pick up speed as well. Um, yeah. Let me let me ask you a question real quick because yeah. it kind of, it kind of it goes, it tracks pretty well with what you're talking about, that yeah. the whole idea, you know, you're talking about scale and you're, you said you pivoted in your business the kind of the catch 22 the the we're always between a rock and a hard place is the people that need coaching the most don't have money to pay for it the people that have the money to pay for it don't see the need to be coached i mean did you <laughs> did you run into that a lot all the time all the time and 
to handle the first part of, of what you just said, because I'm obviously laughing because I've run into that a lot of times. Um, whether you want to call this fortunately or unfortunately, I've made some pretty hefty business investments in my life. So one has been $10,000, a few different ones that have been between 2000 and 3000. And so with that being said, the reason why I bring that up is because I'm a fan of leading the way. And I'm not talking about just leadership in regard to working with the clients. I wasn't telling them anything that I didn't expect myself to do. Mm -hmm. So if I asked them and let's say it was a 500 or a thousand dollar contract, not even any super large one. I'm asking them for that, let's say 500 and I've spent 10,000 before I've, I've spent 20 X what I'm even expecting them to spend yeah. to work with me, to, to invest, to work with me. So it's part of it. It's, it's just kind of acknowledging the fact that, you know, sometimes you got to pull the bow and arrow a little bit back to spring forward. And that's something that a lot of people don't recognize. I love using that. So everybody like you have the bow and then you have the, the string. And if the arrow goes back a tiny bit, you're only going to spring a little bit forward. If you pull back way too much, it snaps. So mm -hmm. that's why I don't want people to get too uncomfortable because yeah. then they're stressed out every day. They're uptight. They're working from a lack of mindset. But if you pull back just enough, then they're going to spring forward more than they would have expected or more than they would have on their own. And so that's one where it's just having that tough conversation where if I understood my target market well enough and I saw what they're struggling with and I recognize that they're holding themselves back, I believe it was up to me and my conviction to say, Honestly, I can get you from A to B. Take the chance. Worst case scenario, if you're self-employed, you can use it as a business expense anyways, right? So it's <laughs> all it's doing is lowering your tax bill. <laughs> so you're you're what in the Gen Z age Gen group? Z. Yep. So I'm nineteen ninety-seven. So, I'm right at the front of it. <clears throat> so when you talk to people in in that kind of that that age demographic, I mean there it's such a unique you know, classification, kind of unique mindset. I know you can't just lump everybody, you can't stereotype everyone, but there is this idea that says, you know, Gen Z wants to make a real difference. You know, they want to pour, they, they'll live in a van if they can really pour into something that's meaningful, mm -hmm. but they certainly don't want to sit in their corporate job, you know, for 40 years, get the watch, you know, retire. And, you know, so they're looking for something different. So yeah. what is the, what's the message that, I mean, you, when you're speaking to your peers, I mean, you, you've had a, a completely different, you know, runway in, in your very, you know, first few years out of college that they haven't had, but they want to have what you, what you've experienced. So what's the kind of the first step that you're, you're saying, okay, you know, you said, I'm, I'm going to lead the way. What, how do you lead them? That's a very good question. You know, a theme that's been coming up to me lately um, has been delayed gratification. And that's something that I think my generation needs to hear a lot because we I, I've had a cell phone since I was 12 or 13. I've had a smartphone since I was about 15. Yep. And all of the information is at your fingertips, right? Even look at Snapchat. So a social media application for, I don't know if you have any older listeners, but you can literally see when somebody opens your Snapchat. Even on Instagram now, if you send a direct message to somebody, you can see if somebody sees it. So we have all these like immediate responses. We're always getting this immediate feedback. <clears throat> and that makes it tough for entrepreneurs, right? Because with entrepreneurs, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to get to where you want to be. Am I doing much better than I was years ago? Yes. Am I even where I want to be yet? No, and I probably never will be, right? I, I, right. I you can tell me that kind right. of But a lot of people, especially in my generation, they just think that things are going to come to them after a little bit of hard work. And that's just not how it gets because a lot of people don't recognize that 
it's the attention to detail and it's the little details each day using this word instead of that word that make all the difference. I mean, here, here's a perfect example. <clears throat> so like I said, obviously I help people with online prospecting. That means responding to LinkedIn DMs, responding to LinkedIn direct messages. And the one thing, actually, I think I emailed you about this, but there's a LinkedIn direct response framework that I kind of talk to about people about a little bit. That kind of, that sounds strange, but talk to people about. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the whole point is there are three main steps. And the first one, I won't get into the other ones, but the first one is acknowledge the fact that you actually listen to the person, right? right? And so that might seem like a little thing that people might not think is important, but let's think about it, Kevin. Everybody wants to feel heard. Yep. Everybody wants to feel listened to. And so that's something where my generation, if they're just focused on themselves and they're focused on the bigger picture, not the tiny details, they're not going to pay attention to that. I could obviously continue to go on but do you see where i'm coming from hey that's the topic? giveaway at the end so you know we, we don't want to we don't want to give away the goods before we give them the link there in the episode so that's that's the bonus for listening to the end of the episode we can <laughs> that's why i give the show them notes. three right that's exactly <laughs> right exactly right so how did you i mean you made it sound almost so nonchalant well yeah i was doing the chinese english thing and then i shifted to coaching and then i went to you know kind of advise that i'm in then i'm in digital marketing and so those are you know they may be in a in a similar trajectory but they're different skill sets so how did you learn the i mean you said by trial and error a lot but i mean i could i could make a lot of mistakes and still not be a very good digital marketer i mean how did you really <laughs> drill down and learn the skills and you know, the second part of that question is, is your target market your primarily your age demographic or is it much broader than that? Um, so the first question, how did I improve on the skills um, throughout? Or develop them at all? You know, how to yeah. develop them throughout yeah. entrepreneurship. And the second one was, what's the demographic? I'll start with the right. demographic because that's a quicker answer. Shockingly, no. I actually used to pride myself on that about five to six months ago in my marketing. So at the time, Actually, at the time I was still 24. But anyways, when I was 23, I would almost brag about how my average client age was about 34. And obviously I would do that because a lot of younger financial reps, that gets in their way. That's a mindset problem that they have. But mm -hmm. honestly, and you're, you're going to know this, Kevin, people don't really care about your age. They genuinely don't if you know what you're talking about. And I'm at the point where I'm bad at a lot of stuff. You go ask me about anything technologically advanced. You go talk to me about biology, chemistry. I'm not going to talk because I don't know it. But when it comes to online prospecting and sales and marketing, I have a lot of experience. And so I have the conviction because I show up and I do it each day. I'm still responding to LinkedIn DMs, et cetera. Um, so I do still work with some younger reps, but I would say the average age is still mid thirties, mid to high thirties. And I, I've had clients all the way up to 65 years old. To answer the other part, I'm gonna be completely honest. I did not grow up being the most altruistic or giving person or super caring about other people actually growing up i would i i will honestly admit i was pretty selfish i'm still more selfish than i'd like to be but learning to understand you need to pay attention to the target market you need to pay attention to the customers is some of the best advice i've ever learned um that's actually why that's that's a big reason why i transitioned from the coaching to the digital marketing so one of two of the firms that i work with a lot Northwestern Mutual and Primerica. Okay. So these are both different financial services firms. At both of those firms, they have plenty of coaching. 
So when I came in and I and I said, I'm going to charge you to help you because I can help you more than the other person who's working with you. It's one conflicting with whoever they report to because the person they report to wants to be seen as the leader who they're listening to. And also they're getting that for free. So why would they pay for more coaching? So it's not like that coaching isn't valuable to certain demographics, but especially to financial advisors, they almost got too much where they didn't want more. Mm. But because I also had the firsthand experience in financial advising, and I'd seen that a lot of people were going door to door knocking, certain firms do that. And other firms, uh, for example, make a lot of phone calls and they'll rely on referrals. And then that doesn't give them a real abundant pipeline of leads. I saw the same problems. For example, you, do you know what Calendly is? One more time. Calendly? Yeah, I use that. That That's what I use for scheduling the podcast. Okay, perfect, perfect. So for anybody out there who doesn't know, Calendly is just a calendar scheduling tool. So you sync it up to your calendar, somebody can book a time on your schedule. Um, in my Calendly link, I got to the point where I started asking questions to my prospects before we set up calls. So if we ever ran out of stuff to talk about, we could talk about that. So I understood what their problems were before we got on the call. And one problem that I noticed kept showing up and it was, I'm not getting enough meetings set. I'm not getting enough qualified meetings set. I was seeing that time after time after time after time. So I was like, you know what? Maybe instead of giving them coaching, which can be pretty general for them in particular, why don't I start with digital marketing? Why don't I start with the tool that I had already been using for a year? So I use a lead generation software tool. It's from a company. Now they're, I believe they're in the fortune 5,000 now, but I license their software to all of my clients so that my clients get conversations automatically started. And so it's just, I realized that they're having that problem. So if I could get more conversations started, give them a little bit coaching about how to take those conversations and book meetings. If they're getting meetings booked, they can eventually get clients, but they can't get the clients if they can't get the meetings booked. They can't get the meetings booked if they're only reaching out to their friends and family members, because that only takes them so far. Right. And not leads that are wasting their time. These are, these are qualified leads. These are, these are leads. Now, is this a white labeled service that you provide or because otherwise it seems like to me that the, your clients may go, I'm sorry, why do I need you in the middle when I can just go get the software myself? <laughs> so no, it's not. I'm very open about the partnership. And I always say there are a few key reasons, like obviously the pricing structure enti is entirely different, but you don't want to have your whole business model just off of the pricing structure. Right. Another thing is- It's a race to the um, bottom, right? It's a race to the bottom, <laughs> bingo, bingo. Um, so with my account executive that I brought on, he was also in financial services previously. So we are very focused just on financial services. We mm -hmm. might eventually in the future expand outward, but currently we're only working with financial reps and we've um, we planted our flag there and have some pretty solid relationships there. As well as the software that I license, I'll just say the name of the company, so it's Connected. And with Connected, I know the uh, CEO, Devin Johnson, very well. And so it's nice because for our clients, any product updates, any uh, new releases that Connected has, I can always communicate with Devin very easily to hear about what's going on, as well as put, uh, get new features pushed out. And so it's just that aspect of the intimacy of having the direct support that if they got the software alone, it might not do it for them. Right. I'm, and I, when you said that, I, I, I kind of said that tongue in cheek that they would cut out the middleman because, I mean, I have a feeling that it's you're just not a service deliverer. I mean, it, it's much more comprehensive than that. It's much more holistic. The you know, because you're, you're, you probably, you don't call yourself a coach anymore, but I bet you still do coaching along the way in the, in the midst of providing the service. And I'm going to be completely honest. It's not my favorite thing because I'm still trading time for money. But the thing is, it's tough to beat the feeling of seeing that you change someone's life. 
and you've, you've like you can clearly see like yep. for example one of our clients got 617 conversations started with him in, for three months or in three months it's like i'm changing his life right i was having this conversation with my account executive lane about that one day and, and it's just knowing when i'm seeing those results and then i get on a call with him and you can just see the genuine reaction on their face that's something that um it makes it worth it we'll put it that way there is no doubt about it there is no doubt about it so Austin, right. we're going to jump on an elevator. We're going to go up 10 stories. You got 30 seconds to give me your best sales pitch. And I, I'm, we're, we're at a financial services convention. So you know that I'm already, you've already pre-qualified me, at least mentally. So give me your best pitch. So I would ask you, okay, where do all your leads come from? Simple question like that. And a lot of these reps would say, ah, oh, you know, I reach out to my friends and family members as well as just getting referrals from them. And I would ask them, how long can you rely on that? And a lot of them would probably fumble around. What are you going to do next week? <laughs> what are you going to do next week? Yeah, what about the following week, right? And they would fumble around with that because it's not sustainable in the long run. As well as the second question I would ask them is, do you know how to close? And that one would probably catch you off guard, Kevin, because one thing that I now ask my clients is, I'm bringing you all these conversations in, getting all these conversations started, but if you don't know how to close, if even if I get them on meetings for you, if you don't know how to close, you're not gonna perceive the service as being worth it, right? And so now I actually prefer working with a little bit more established reps to I'm qualifying them to make sure that they can close because I don't wanna give them all this business and have them just throw it off the side of the table, not make right. it useful. Right. So now I'm at that point where I'm figuring out, do you have a pipeline? Do you know how to close? If you don't have a pipeline and you do know how to close, you're a good person to work with us. If not, we could probably make something work, but I'm definitely at the stage now where I'm trying to interview them a little bit more because I'm at the point where nine times out of 10 financial reps can benefit from us as long as their compliance team allows it. It's just, if they're willing to make the investment, we'll put it that way. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think you're leaving some stuff on the table. I mean, if you, it sounds like to me that's a that's an auxiliary part of your business is just how to teaching people how to close. I mean, mm. how many out there are in the in that business that I mean, whether it's insurance or real estate or financial services or you know whatever this this kind of you know very close connected you know sales process is that man I, yeah I can tell you about the services I can I can't I really can't answer your objections very effectively I can't you know I can't kind of proactively try to answer your questions before you even ask them, you know, yeah. and beat you to that, that conclusion, <laughs> you know, that, that idea. But um, I think that there, are, you can send back, like you said, you can send me all kinds of leads, but if I can't close them, not only am I wasting money and time on my side, I'm making the client mad. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> they're yeah. like, you, you've wasted my time here. No, you're hundred percent correct. And it's ironic because, and I'll, I'll kind of finish on this point to continue on the conversation. When I first launched this service, I thought it was gonna be pretty much, I brought in the conversations for people because I was trying to give people the benefit of the doubt and I thought that they would all be able to close. I thought they'd be able to all get things up. Um, but it got to the point where I had on a call with the client and let's say client's name is Tom and one of their prospects name is Adam. Adam would maybe say after uh, Tom sent the connection request, Adam might say, happy to connect happy to connect or I'm happy to connect. And Tom would just leave it as is and say, great, have a good night. I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? To I think I said Tom here. I know this might be confusing people. Some Tom working with you is thinking, do I have anybody named Adam in my... <laughs> I, know, I know, I'd scan it through my head. But in short, to get this at a high level, I would say to my client, 
I would say, why are you leaving your prospect on the table just because your prospect said, I'm happy to connect, doesn't mean that they don't want to talk to you. Just because they're not going out of their way to start a conversation with you doesn't mean they're opposed to talking with you. So stop making assumptions. Like, that's mm -hmm. another thing. Yeah. I recommend this book all the time. It's called The Four Agreements. I don't know if you've ever read that. It looks like you have. Let's see, it is uh, Don't Make Assumptions. It is uh, what Assume the Best or something like that. Assume. Don't make assumptions. Don't take things personally. Yeah. I'm going to be completely I can never remember yeah. the other two because I just focus on don't make assumptions, don't take things personally so much. But that's the best sales book I've ever read. And Don Miguel uh, Ruiz. Is that his name? Is that the... Yes. Yeah. Bingo. There you go. You're on top of it. <laughs> I actually have that on my wall in my you know, in my day job. So have those four agreements. I just haven't, obviously I haven't read them in recently enough to know the four by heart. So yeah. You're a big fan of the book. I'm sorry. So you were a big fan of the book. I actually, I'm a big fan of the agreements. I haven't read the book. <laughs> just, oh. I just, I mean, the, you literally see the four agreements and it's like, you know, it's like the condensed version of the book in one, you know, kind of wall hanging there. So I would recommend at some point, especially because it's such a short book, read it all because you know how like if you see the definition of something, it yep. makes sense. But if you start seeing the examples, it makes yep. more sense. That that's the only reason why I'd recommend it. For sure. That for yeah. sure. Yeah. I shortchanged it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Shortchange. Well, tell me what uh, you know, as, as we think back, I mean, what's what's one or two things that you kind of you really wish you would have known, you know, when you when you got like when you got started that you actually know now that would have saved you a lot of time and heartache? The one I touched on before, because it's so, so important. Stop doing things alone. I've seen companies that have been bigger than mine just completely taking off because they're winning together, right? They're doing things together. They're becoming best friends. And so don't do it alone. That's going to hold you back big time if you try to do that. And plus, and well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And then another one, Oh, this is another good one. I know people say it, but stop comparing yourselves, mm. right? There's an entrepreneur I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. And he got an entrepreneurship five or six years ahead of me. And I, I'll be the first one to say he's doing significantly better than I am. And, and a lot of people for that fact of the matter. <laughs> but I mean, five or six years is a long period of time, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of the time we go, especially go back to Generation Z, especially mm -hmm. for my generation, we can go look on TikTok, as much Facebook, but TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and you're seeing these people who maybe are just vacationing around the world or they're doing this or they're buying that. First off, maybe they started a lot earlier than you. Second off, they might have a big credit card bill. They're oh. just in general, you don't know what their their situation is. That is absolutely and, true. And also another thing, like I, I just finished up the point. I even have a good buddy of mine who I would say is doing a little bit better than, my, than I am. He's doing very well for himself but he also got in his field sooner than I did. Mm -hmm. The script might flip in a few years. Yep. I might go sell my business in two years, right? Yep. And so you just, just win your battle each day, do as much as you can do each day and you're gonna make progress. It's just, we just gotta stop comparing ourselves to other people. It's not healthy, it's really not. I, uh, when you were mentioning that, I was thinking about that meme you've seen on, you know, it, it's in multiple, multitude of different forms, but it has the guy, it looks like he's taking this vacation, you know, on an airplane, but actually he's got a toilet seat that he's held up and he's, his computer has the, like the, the out the wing picture. And it's, it's actually all fake. You know, <laughs> this uh -huh. guy is just kind of putting on the impression that he is highly successful. So, yeah, I, I, um, I mean, so many things that you mentioned today are, are just 
I think are real gold and, and just to kind of touch on them real quick. I mean, the one thing about investing in yourself, you know, being willing to, to invest in yourself and actually almost, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a different way to pay it forward. You know, you're, you're actually paying now for the benefit that's coming, you know, down yeah. the road and, and invest. It's an investment. It's not an expensive investment in what you're trying to do. And but just the, the whole idea of just listening, listen, well, listen to understand, not to, not to respond, you know, mm-hmm. though, though that's two different types of listening. I mean, I, I'm listening to you just so I can answer you and, and, and argue with you, you know, versus <laughs> actually listen to you to understand your, your perspective or your viewpoint and, you know, don't work alone, stop comparison. I mean, um, any one of these, we could make just one episode about, you know, the things that you mentioned, but, but, you know, as, as time is, is drawing near, we, we kind of want to wrap it up and, and just, I just want to give you time to kind of close us out with, you know, kind of uh, whatever's on your heart to, to share here at the end and then tell people where to find you online. Of course. Again, I'm going to work backwards because I can be very forgetful. But actually, you, just, you just said something that made me think of uh, a good point to end on. So I'm going to. All right. So everybody, obviously, my name is Austin McCullough. You spell the last name M-C-C-U-L-L-O-H. You can find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on my website. On my website, there's some free resources for you to check out. So definitely make sure to go and, and snag those. Um, for my final thought, one thing you just said was it, it kind of went in line with my delayed gratification point from earlier. <clears throat> so I grew up Christian. And so obviously I believe in, in um, like going through suffering, et cetera, but this, it's not a religious topic. It's just in general, What I've noticed in life, everybody has to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. Either you suffer upfront, you work very hard, you front end load it. And then you benefit from it for the rest of your life, or you enjoy each day right now, and then you pay for it on the back of your life. Okay. So for example, I'm this young entrepreneur working very hard so I can go retire at X year, and then I can enjoy the rest of my life and work when I want to work, or I could go party all the time while I was young and then never be able to retire. Right. So I guess it's, if somebody wants option B of having to work the rest of their life, and that's truly what they want, that's okay. But I think more and more people need to recognize you're going to have to suffer at some point. Mm. And that's just something that not enough people have internalized. Some people think that they can just bypass it. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Like maybe this will give hope to somebody. I've struggled a lot. I've struggled a lot. And I mean, I might be doing better than the average kid my age, right? Or the average young adult my age, but I've suffered a lot. I've had a lot of deep days. Um, I've had a lot of days where I've just struggled through it a lot of isolation, a lot of days where I wish I was out partying with my friends. Um, but I mean, I can fortunately say it's worth it, but you, you just got to make that choice and stick with it, I guess. What a way to wrap it up. Austin, thank you for uh, just taking the time to, um, I mean, it, what's interesting is that there are, there are times that people come on podcasts, not necessarily mine, but just podcasts in general, and they're like a walking soundbite. You know, it's like they're just reading you. They're 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 regurgitating the first line of every paragraph of the last business book they read. You know, type thing. And it's it's so disingenuous. But I mean, I just really appreciate that. I I think the things that you really have taken ownership of, you've lived. You know, in a very short period of time, you've you've walked through these. And whether it's suffering, whether it's success, you know, you've kind of seen both sides of that of that equation. And it has ing- been ingrained in you. It's, it's become who you are. It's become your, really your, as Simon said, it says your why, you know, that kind of drives you. And then that's very apparent. And 
I just want to thank you again for just taking time to uh, share with us tonight and really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Austin, have a great week. Thank you, Kevin. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.